Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Welcome to Spoken Word on 3CR Community Radio. My name's Carmen Main and I'm here today with our special guest, Waffle Iron Girl. How are you, Waffle? I feel very special. That's good. Um, I'd love to take this opportunity to read her bio to you. So, Waffle Iron Girl found her heart home among poets, storytellers and other recalcitrants at the Grub Street Creative Writing Centre in Boston. Her encounter with spoken word at a Melbourne bar picked her up by the scruff of the neck, rattled her certainties and said, speak. She has featured at spoken word events across Melbourne, including Mother Tongue, Griffin Speak, Owl and Cat, Passionate Tongues and La Mama Poetica. Waffle Iron Girl will now perform her first piece for today, titled Pastel. I used to blog. And when I used to blog... My best friend said, Why are all your posts in pastel? Your passions diluted, your emotions muted. I shrugged my shoulders, puzzled at what I felt were my most tortured outpourings. I used to write stories, and when I wrote stories, my wisest teacher wondered, amongst the curiosities and wonderment which amused him, admittedly, where is the edge? Where is the bite? Where is the sour milk of human misunderstanding? I cocked my head puzzled at what I felt was bloody gore. And now I write poetry. And when I write poetry, my best critics wonder, where is the anger? Where is the rage? Where is the connection to your fiery core? I stand on the stage puzzled, having revealed what I felt was my deepest outrage. Forgive me this awkward transition as I try to explain what I don't really understand. That when you are five and you love marmalade on toast for breakfast and your father, whom you've never heard raise his voice, breaks a chair in the next room and your little sister the size of a watermelon and smeared in jam reaches for your wrists and mother scoops you up and bundles you both into the car and drives down the street in a way that even your five-year-old self understands as a death wish and you don't remember how you ended up safely in bed And you look up to see a rare evening star. That when you are five and this happens, your bones are still malleable enough that you can find the anger in yourself and lock it in your bones and knit it into your marrow. And once you're done, you, five years old, will train your eyes on that distant star Determined you will follow it forever. There will be no outrage, followed by release and conclusion in this blog post. 
There will be no rising action, climax, and resolution to this story. This poem does not offer a call to arms. Will not provide deliverance. My most vivid colors bleed out of me each month, along with clot and marrow. There is nothing left for my art but pastel and shades of grey. It is all I can do to remain faithful to my evening star. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Waffle Iron Girl. I loved some of the imagery that you brought to that piece, but moreover, the emotional um, intensity of it. Thank you for sharing. Do you find that when you're writing that comes out or or when, how, maybe how did you first start coming to writing? I think I've always written. Um, I think like a lot of writers, it's my way of processing the world. Mm. So I've always been writing little stories and poems, although I didn't know there were poems when I was, when I was little. Um, I think the question is more about when I started sharing my work. Um, and that's probably when um, I took a sabbatical. Oh, okay. When my husband uh, decided to study in Boston in the U.S. And I was there and I got retrenched at the same time by oh. coincidence. And I was uh, sitting in our tiny little living room in New York where he was um, doing a secondment um, and feeling quite upset about not having work and suddenly going, hang on a minute. I'm in New York and I have no work. What is wrong with this picture? (laughs) Of course. So many opportunities. So um, we spent uh, the year in between Boston and New York and I decided to do a year's worth of nothing useful. I refused to do a single course, a single talk, um, do a single conversation that had anything to do with progressing my career or making money. And it was the best fun. And one of the things I did was accidentally do um, a short fiction course. Um, what I intended to do was nonfiction. I thought I'd blog or something. Um, and the class was filled. So I signed up for a fiction course and I was encouraged to make things up. Wow. Yes. That's, it was so exciting. It's so wonderful. Oh, um, I just can't thank you enough. Isn't that a blessing in disguise at the time, perhaps? Everyone should spend time doing nothing useful. Mm. Um, This sounds like a great uh, opportunity for us to move into our next piece. Um, I'd love for you to please read your next poem for us. It's titled Lukewarm Nescafe. Breakfast was once a hasty affair, a formality to be gotten rid of daily, like mumbling, how are you, to that half-dislike workmate encountered in the lift on the way up to the 28th floor. Both of you smile wanly, drop your eyes to the ground, and as the doors slide open, exit stages right and left. Which is to say, a half of a muesli bar and a lukewarm Nescafe. Breakfast now is a daily dance. The egg yolk reaches saffron yellow at three minutes precisely. The coffee percolates until the kitchen smells like a cigarette the way you imagine between the slender fingers of a madman dame instead of the way it really smells, dry and dirty. 
rye sourdough baked the night before crackles on the tender avocado quarters bristling with black pepper. Oatmeal slumps into fruit and yogurt stands pert under a maple shower. Breakfast now is a wee ballet for two, a dance you led me into. Should the music ever stop, dear, don't fret for me. I'll always have a half of a muesli bar and lukewarm Nescafe to return to. You're listening to 3CR's Spoken Word Program and we're with Waffle Iron Girl today. That last poem, Lukewarm Nescafe, I can't help but notice all of the food. You're making me hungry. Oh, good. I'm hungry too. <laughs> um, so where do food and poetry intersect for you? How is it connected? Where does breathing intersect with life? Exactly. Food is life. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I guess. And poetry is life. Mm, I'd go with poetry is essential, but food is life. Could poetry be food? Poetry could be food, but food could be short fiction, food could be movies, food could be dance, food could be porn wasn't intentional though. I didn't really realize how much food there was in my poetry until a set I did with um, Mother Tongue, where after every poem, Fleecy Malay made the observation that there was food in every single one of my poems. Mm. And I did not believe her. I challenged her publicly to find the food in every poem and she found one, every single one. So an entree, a main and a dessert in every single poem. Don't forget the snacks. Oh, snacks are really important. People undervalue snacks. What are some of your favourite snacks? Whoa, what are, what, what's your favourite children? Mm, I don't have any children, but if I did... I don't think I'd have a favourite. <laughs> you know what? There is a sad thing I have discovered about life. What's that? You can actually learn to dislike chocolate as you get older. What? Yes. It can't be true. It is. Mm. When you were saying snacks are really important, is snack size also important for literature or poetry that you read? Do you read longer things, shorter things? I'm a flash fiction writer. Right. Um, when I started writing, the standard story size I was taught was about 2,500 words. But my stories always came out at 1,000. Hmm. And when I tried to extend them, they kept getting pushed back or edited or cut back um, in review until they came down to 1,000 words. Sometimes less can be more. Waffle Iron Girl's next piece today will be My Words Through Your Ears. When you asked in a meeting if the female client was hot, at first I didn't know whether to be more offended that you've made the first consideration of a woman's worth her fuckability or that by saying it in front of me you think I'm clearly not. It's just a joke, you say, with a sideways glance you toss in my direction. I'm having some fun with the boys. I'm a good bloke. Don't mind the bitch face, boss. I'm not going to bust your ass. I get the joke. Believe it or not, I just don't think it's funny. And I'm not angry. I'm just tired. I've crafted an entire person for your consumption. 
given myself a footy allegiance, cuss words, brass balls, the lot. Now, I can't go back in time to sign up for the MCC, but on the whole, I think the resemblance is true. Don't you? After all this, you have no idea how to speak to one of your own in this other unfamiliar form. To be fair, my act was never that good. My curves too much like the lifesome strippers up there with too many awkward political angles. And I may have given myself away with one too many eye rolls when you were just being a good bloke and I refused to get the joke. But honestly, I'm not angry. I'm just tired. We were friendly, so I thought we were friends. You thought so too, because you told me the truth when I asked a question I didn't want the answer to. Why do they listen to you, friend, when they don't listen to me? Is it because I'm Asian and female? You said. That might have something to do with it. But I've worked so hard to make my differences invisible. I'm a man for all the important intents. You said. That might have something to do with it too. I should thank you for your honesty, but I've not been able to look you in the eye since. You were a good bloke and stood witness to my humiliation. And for that, I can't forgive you. You think I'm angry at you. I'm not. I'm just tired. When I hear my words through your ears... When I hear the alienation, but not the tears. I can understand why you would think the likes of me would be snatching the rice, sorry, bread, from the mouth of your babes. And there's no use explaining that I'm just like you. I just want to live in the house with the car and the big screen TV and maybe do some good. But these links are tenuous, will not bridge the differences that run so much deeper than skin. When you are with me, you don't know how to be a good bloke. Believe me when I tell you I get the joke. I'm not angry. I'm just tired.
listening to the Spoken Word program on 3CR. My name's Carmen Main and we're here with Waffle Iron Girl. Flame trees, eh? Mm-hmm. Barnsey, eh? Uh-huh. What a guy. Yeah, I encountered him when I was at university. You know, really? all love lawn and all the hormones raging. I had him on loop. Had mm. the coaches all on loop. Wow. Do you think, I'm, I'm harking back to the poem that we heard before the break. Um, do you think Barnsey would be a good bloke? Barnsey would be a good bloke. Um, have you heard about his latest book? It's heart-wrenching. He talks about his experiences um, in his childhood with abuse. He's much more emotionally in touch than you would imagine. Mm, that's good. I Perhaps I've sold him short. <laughs> um, I did happen to notice a quote as I was entering the 3CR buildings today, just on one of the brick walls down the street, um, it's a Virginia Woolf quote, and I thought this may be something worth discussing. Why are women so much more interesting to men than men are to women? And I was just thinking about how that might fit in with the fatigue, being tired um, that you were mentioning in your last piece. Virginia Woolf said women are more interesting to men than men are to women, or was it the other way around? I might have said it wrong. Let's double check. (laughs) Why are women so much more interesting to men than men are to women? I always thought about it the other way way around, although I would never want to disagree with Virginia Woolf. Well, we could be disagreeing with whoever put it on the wall if they got (laughs) it wrong. (laughs) Um, Why are... 
I think um, women watch men much more than men would ever watch women, mm. um, especially when it's not in the context of romance or love. Um, we're always watching them to see how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to react. Um, they're the instigators and we're the reactors traditionally. I mean, we're trying to change that. Yeah, I think we're making some good steps towards that. And I really, um, yeah, we've got a way to go though, don't we? Mm. Um, one of the things that I love about the poetry community is that we're able to struggle with some of these issues far more openly Mm. Um, than um, in some of the more commercial scenes. Um, and the fact is that we struggle. It's not uncontentious. There are conflicts and we're constantly uncomfortable, but at least we're talking about it. Absolutely. A letter to myself in invisible ink. You will walk into brawls you needn't, whether I say to or not. Will fight for unworthy causes will choose heartbreak repeatedly, will let your defences be breached, will let the cold and slippery drug of being useful render you exhausted, stretch too far over hot cold promises, incoherent when you most need to explain yourself. Your honour, I am indeed guilty, but I didn't know any better at the time. You will not know any better tomorrow or any time thereafter. The fight must be fought with what you have in the moment. My catalogue of friends and foes, of demon emblems, shades of iris, shapes of ears, the degree of curl in tongue, the depth of bite who burns, who eats your heart whole and spits out peach pits, who is will-o'-wisp sent to drain your attention. My catalogue is useless to you, written in invisible ink about shapeshifters, and anyhow, you can't read. Besides, every sidestep, every errant slide, every infected cut, every abiding regret, every splintered fence post, rum-soaked, tear-jerked moment brings you closer to me. Whether this is for good or not, I am no better judge than you, see, dear. I, too, have been sent an invisible letter. Found it under my pillow this morning. It said, You will walk into brawls you needn't, whether I say to or not. So you may as well burn what you need and learn to call it all wonderful. I'd love to thank my guest today, Waffle Iron Girl, who's been with us on Spoken Word. Thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful. Thank you, Carmen. It's been so much fun. Now, I have a question for you. Sure. What's your favourite snack? Probably chocolate. Our last poem for today with Waffle Iron Girl will be This Poem Contains Ramen. This poem contains ramen. It contains ramen because I am living in this poem. And these days, the only thing I crave is ramen. So much so, when my economist asks me what I want for dinner, there is only ever one answer. I don't even know why he asks anymore. I guess it's one of our rituals. And I might change my mind. After all, there were those three years when all I wanted to eat was laksa. So now this poem contains that as well, but only in a nostalgic 
past particular way. This poem contains my economist, at least the parts of him that asks me what I want for dinner, and the part of him that is unquenchably hopeful, that sees the world as a rational problem of limited resources and unlimited wants, and if we could only find the right model, we could solve the problem to a pie. I also think pie solves most problems, especially on those frigid nights when the cold makes my toe itch, and now my itchy toe is in this poem, and so is pie. This poem contains ramen, with the kind of ramen soup that clings to the rounded back of spoons, wraps noodles, wraps my lips in hot, delicious fat, dances on my tongue with umami. This poem now contains a taste that didn't even exist before it was discovered by the inventor of MSG. What did we taste before we had a word for it? Could we taste it at all? Could I invent another taste right now inside this poem? I bet I can. S E U S. The S is silent. I declare it to be in this poem. Use. It's the taste of being at the park and seeing a kite fly so high and so far that all of the sky and the grass and the dogs running and the joy of all things far and wide and beyond our reckoning pours into your soul through your mouth. That's use. The S is silent. Now here comes the hipsters and clever chefs searching for the taste of use. The S is silent. They are having conferences in this poem, authoring research papers, fanning controversy. Is use real? Is it mass hypnosis? I won't share my ramen with strangers, like when we ate once in Tokyo on a very narrow street in a very narrow stall with just enough space for ten strangers. That stall was so narrow, I bet I could hide it in the noodle inside my poem, but I won't. Because if I did, I'd also have to put in my poem retired Japanese salarymen attending ramen school, dreaming of opening a ten-stranger ramen stall, antidote to forty years of pointless to-doings and to-throwings, and now they want to make something real with their own hands. See the power of use sets strangers' tongues alight. You could say it's cheating, putting my own self into a poem. It only proves how much of a noodle I am. Yet Thomas put his whole dying father into a poem, into a villanelle, no less. That dying father more alive than most people I know living outside of poems. I am no Thomas, so I must cut my cloth to fit myself. But it's not so bad inside this poem. After all, it contains. Ramen. This is Santo Cazzati, founder of the Spoken Word Program here on 3CR, and I'd just like to welcome our new presenter who just presented the program, Carmen Main. You'll be hearing a lot more of her voice, and thank you to Waffleine Girl for being a guest today. There are many live poetry gigs that you can go to in Melbourne. So many of them. There's one every day at least, sometimes more, and they all have open.、Uh, many of them have open mics,、uh, and you can just go to listen if you want to. Just uh, find uh, melbournespokenword.com, and that'll tell you all of the gigs that are happening. Melbournespokenword.com. That's all one word. Melbournespokenword.com. This is the spoken word program, which happens every Thursday morning on 3CR between nine and nine thirty a.m. Eight fifty-five. 
on the AM dial. And uh, this is uh, the end of the program. And until next time, Santo Katsati is signing off and shutting down. Thank you.